What is up, guys? This is Matt. I'm from Purebred Mutts. Welcome to uh, episode number three of the Mutts cast. Welcome. I appreciate you being here. We're going to do something a little interesting today, and I'm really excited about is basically I'm going to be writing somewhat of a letter or more of a what I wish I would have known when I first started, uh, especially a few years back. Like I said, plenty of times I've been playing guitar specifically for uh, over 10 years at this point. And when I first started, there was a couple of things that I had in my mind. And when I first realized that this is something that I am really passionate about and something that I love, uh, I also had some expectations that I feel as though, um, I kind of wish I had a little different guidance because back in the day, I mean, and even now, really, all that you really see is the end point of, uh, you know, some form of success, whether that's people selling out arenas or, uh, you know, multi, you know, Grammy winning songs or whatever, you know, huge selling albums, all that stuff. But the process to get to that point is gigantic. It, it is an undertaking within itself. And throughout this time, I've made countless mistakes. I've, um, burned lots of bridges for no reason some of them deserve to be fair but you know i've done a lot of things that like i somewhat regret or just wish that i would have done differently and this is kind of an opportunity for me to talk to my past self and say these are the things that i kind of wish i knew especially going into it and hopefully that's something if you are in a similar position whether you're starting to play guitar or you're really starting to take it seriously this is something you love to do and you just want to continue hopefully the my advice from all my failings can be helpful to you and maybe helpful to me maybe i'll come back and listen to this you know in a couple years and be like ah i'm stupid why didn't i listen to past matt so this is present matt talking to past matt we'll say you know 10 10 years ago roughly i made a whole list of a bunch of like real quick sayings and just things and i'm gonna kind of riff off of those so bear with me as i go down this list it's not super long but uh you know i think all of them have their own their own kind of connotation to it and their own um ideas that i'd like to to dive into individually so the first one i have is great recording equipment doesn't make does not make great songs it only enhances them this is something that i'm still learning and i'm still dealing with is uh that it doesn't matter how good of equipment you have you could have the greatest studio of all time you can know how to work the studio awesome and just be like an, a whiz you know at making just beautiful sounds radio ready songs uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that the songs are going to be be good. And um, yeah, especially as I started getting more and more equipment and I got myself set up in a spot where I knew the sound that I wanted, I started having to be much more uh, hard on myself to, to say, hey, you know, like I know the quality that I can put out. The songs need to match that. And so now it's kind of put a little interesting kind of a strain on the process is that I have such high expectations of myself that let are achievable, I, I believe. Um, but uh, there's a lot of things that kind of get get thrown to the wayside and a lot of it on on purpose to be to be real with you, just because like I have my expectations and there's things that I want to do. But when I was first starting out, um, I spent a lot of money on just uh, newer equipment, not like brand new equipment or anything like that, but like expensive things that I didn't really need. Um, and I thought that I needed them because I was like, if I have them, then all of a sudden I'll be a rock star and that's how it'll work. Um, and that's that's not the way you should go about it. I think obviously the way you should go about it is perfecting the craft that you have at, at the acoustic level. Meaning if you can play songs in your room and they're good songs and they're really good songs and it's not like you're sitting there and saying like, this is awesome, you know, this is the shit but like you play it for somewhere else, someone else and they give you the awkward like, it's great. Like you can tell when a song is good because it moves you. And um, not necessarily, I should also preface, it's not as though you should look for other people's approval of the song, but like you can personally feel when a song is really good and like really good. You can feel it because there's plenty of times I've sat there and I've made a song and it's like maybe technically proficient and it's really like interesting in ways that like I think might be like, oh, that's different and weird. But when I sit back and I play it, I'm like, this song is not engaging. I don't enjoy it. It's just like, you know, that those songs are easy to kind of realize as you've made more of them. And especially if you're first, like you're just starting out to write songs, you're most likely not going to be writing a whole bunch of bangers right off the off the start. Like I, the first song I ever wrote was this really crappy, <laughs> like love ballad to this chick, and I played it for her. <laughs> she, she's, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing because it's so dumb. So I played it for her, 
and it was like you know three chords like power chords you know and uh i played it for her and i had her like name in it which is like the first mistake but anyway so i played it for her and then she looked at me and she said okay <laughs> so uh take take my word for it don't put girls names into songs or, or anyone's names into songs uh and and you know no one when you write bad ones and except it happens all the time and it's okay it's all right to write bad songs as long as uh, it doesn't like dissuade you from continuing continuing to write but that's that's the first thing is that just because you have equipment doesn't mean that your song is going to be awesome or off the chain. It's uh, unfortunately that is how it is. I wish it would be as simple as being able to buy your buy your way to good music, but uh, it, it doesn't work like that. Um, and, you know, that's probably a good thing you want. I don't think it's it's a good idea to have that kind of barrier to entry to make like quality things. I think a lot of it, a lot of good music comes from emotional attachment and, you know, be, being able to feel your way through what a song should should make you feel and should do for you as uh, the creator and as the audience. So that's the first one. Um, don't worry about getting nice equipment. Set it down on acoustic first. Make sure it sounds dope. And then the more and more you continue to write music and, and start to record, and I've talked to this about this with a few of you at this point, is uh, you got it, you know, don't don't think that just because you don't have the the best equipment that your song doesn't have value because you can make awesome songs that don't sound like radio ready or you know however the term should be it's not like super crisp quality you know it's like crappy a track stuff but that some of those songs are are the best and i would rather listen to a um a crappily recorded awesome song versus a professionally recorded and edited and everything all the money put into this song and it doesn't do anything for me obviously it's, it seems it seems like an obvious thing to me but at the time the goal was to get all this good equipment so that way i'd be able to get you know make better songs but you gotta you know as the saying goes you gotta get the cart put the cart before the horse or something like that don't put the cart before the horse one of those things get you gotta get the one that's important anyway whatever let's move on <laughs> i'm not good with metaphors um, the second one I have is compete with yourself, not other artists. This is a very interesting one, uh, especially for me just as a person. I'm competitive. I grew up playing a lot of sports. I am one of many children and, you know, things are just competitive. I think of myself as a very competitive person. And sometimes what happens, especially starting out, is you see these people do amazing things. So for me, I saw Kurt Cobain. Uh, I saw, you know, Jack White. I, I saw these really awesome artists doing things that I, f I thought were amazing. And I compared everything I ever did to them. And I mean, that's not a fair comparison because I'm not them, first of all. And why should I compete with them? I'm not them. I, I can't do what they do. I can do what I do. And every time I do something, the next time I try it, I want it to be better. That's a healthy way of competing rather than trying to make yourself, uh, you know, comparable to other artists. And this is something that is really interesting is whenever you start playing uh, shows with other artists and things like that and people in the community. For me, it's very easy to get that kind of like jealous vibe where like maybe you didn't you didn't sell as many tickets as someone else did or maybe not as many people are watching your videos as someone else. It's easy to say, you know, like make excuses and, and say, you know, they have like some sort of unfair advantage or or whatever, or to get down on the dumps and say, wow, I can't do that, so I'm not worth it. That's the wrong approach. You should say, I mean, that's for them. Uh, maybe I can take some concepts from them and learn from it and get better myself, but you should be competing with yourself, trying to make what you make better. And in turn, it's just a back and forth. Uh, there was one artist, I'm not gonna name, who I was so jealous of because they kept and like in, you know, basically started a band at the same time as I did, same area and everything. And they were doing awesome stuff. And I felt like I could never do any of that stuff. And in my head, I was like, man, I make good songs. Like, why isn't that? Why isn't that catapulting me to where I want to go? Uh, which we can talk about more later. There's lots of different layers than just having good music. But, you know, in that moment, I was like, man, I it just frustrates me because in that mind, you're like, you know, maybe I am better than than that other band, but for whatever reason, 
I'm being like punished for for that, you know, which is a stupid thought. First of all, that's that's just dumb. But in my, you know, prepubescent, how do you say that word? Prepubescent mind. That's what came to mind is like, man, I'm I'm worthy. I'm awesome. You know, why am I not getting all this glory? Uh, And now I, I look back on it and it's like, I'm very happy for their success because they deserve it. They put in the work as well, you know, maybe even more so. You don't know. That's them. They're doing their thing. If they're successful, great. I'm happy for them. There is plenty to go around. There's plenty of people, lots of time to listen to music and to be part of the communities. It's it's not a competition you should be having with other people because this isn't a game. We're not playing on points. You know, it's not about how many likes you get. It's about, you know, how you feel doing it. And what kind of person you are from doing it. That's that's what I think, at least. That's where my mind goes. And uh, it took me a long time to learn that. At this point, I'm very good friends with those people. I've even talked to them about it. And uh, yeah, it's just, it is what it is. And the more you grow, the more I think, uh, especially me, I realize that, you know, it just doesn't pay to be petty or try to, to not only try to compare yourself in in that positive light where it's like, oh, if they can do it, I can do it better. There's also the twist side, the the flip side of it where you see someone else doing it and you get down the dumps because you think you could never do that, which is not true. That is not true. If you really put your mind to something, I honestly believe that you can do it barring, you know, um, whatever uh, disabilities you might ha- might have, you know. I'm not saying that a person who is like amputated is, you know, is going to be able to to rip it like Jimi Hendrix or anything like that. Obviously, there's certain barriers. Um, But at the same time, who's to say that someone can't develop some sort of like um, appendage for them that they'd be able to actually like trigger finger movements with this appendage and be able to play guitar and do it 10 times better than Jimi Hendrix? Like there's all always limitations and there's always ways to compare yourself to other people, but I honestly believe that there is a route for you and a route for them and they can coincide and they can be constructive rather than comparative. Those are my thoughts on that. Um, Let's move on to the next one, okay? This is a good one. My recordings will not sound good. You will need to fail. You will need to fail a thousand times before you get anything of quality. This is a... an interesting one because you know things just don't they don't start out awesome things don't just start out where like you're kicking ass and you're taking names you gotta work for it I certainly did I mean this has been years and I'm not even like technically proficient I'm not like you know I'm not through the fire and the flames I'm 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 Matt I'm purebred mutts and that's great but it's taken me years to get just to this point where I feel even comfortable and uh, that's saying something, you know, some people are naturally gifted and they can pick up things quickly, but even them, you know, if they, someone can be like really amazing at guitar, but if they start to pick up how to, how to actually record it and make songs, there's no telling if they'll be able to do that just as proficiently as they've picked up guitar. Cause there's different things at that point. It's just a different skill. You, you have to realize how to fill in the rest of the song. Do you know how to play those other instruments? Can you program the other ones if you need to? If you don't have a band, do you understand how those instruments work? So that way, you, when you put them in the song, they sounds like a, a real person playing rather than a robot. Is a robot what you're going for? Is that the tone you want? How do you want to EQ it? I mean, th- that's just a small aspect of that side of it. Besides the fact that this person needs to be so proficient at guitar that they can do the takes over and over and over again and get it so that way they line up and it's not choppy all the place. Because if you have a guitarist who doesn't play to the the click and is all over, you're not going to get a good track. Even if by themselves it is beautiful and amazing and just and insanely difficult and just pleasing, if you can't play to the click track and you can't record very well. So, uh, yeah, it's just when you start out, it's important to have realistic expectations of what you're going to get. Okay. You're not going to get something that is radio ready out of the box and you should not strive for that, which is the important thing. I believe, I think the important thing is that you record something and it should be crappy and it should be fun. And as soon as you realize how to record one song and make it crappy and just like gritty and, and just stupid, 
as soon as you can get that one song out of there, that sense of completion, that is what continues you going down the path and getting that point where you are now able to actually record good songs that you have practiced and gotten better at writing and making them sound radio ready or whatever standard that you want for that, that specific song. Who knows what it's going to be in the future? No one knows. Um, yeah, that's, that should be where the focus is, is actually finishing a song and recording it and not bogging down by any of the specifics about, you know, you can get nitpicky and you can watch other people talk about these, you know, high quality recordings and how to record, but not everyone has those, uh, you know, specific tools that they can use. Not, not a lot of people know how to use those tools. So just because someone tells you this is how they EQ'd their kick drum does not mean that's how you should EQ your kick drum because they're different kick drums or they're in different contexts, right? And so everything is very unique to you. So the only way that you're going to get better is by messing up and learning from those mistakes and looking back at your past stuff and saying, okay, this is how I would change it now. And uh, just that constant thing of like finishing a song and not getting bogged down by the nitpicky things just because you think maybe that'll make it better. The first few recordings you should do should be really crappy. And mine were, they were so bad. But, you know, you just need to finish something so that way you can continue down the path and continue growing uh, as as a songwriter, as a recording artist. And, uh, you know, just keep getting you on your way. That's that's my advice for that is that it's not going to sound good. Keep your expectations to what um, what they realistically are and, you know, constantly upgrade those expectations. The next one's going to be this much better. The next one's going to have this different I'm going to tackle each of these in this specific way that was really difficult for me to do before so this is what I'm going to do to preemptively save me time or keep out that headache you know it's it's small things like that it's uh yeah it's it's all the small things that add up to it but in the beginning you cannot get bogged down by the small things that's what I'm saying all right and the next one share your music with people who want to hear your music not people who want to hear you that might sound a little confusing. Let me explain. Whenever you're starting music and recording and sharing it with people, your first inclination would normally be, I should share it with people who are closest to me, which includes like family, friends, things like that. And um, although friends might make more sense, one of the things I did when I was younger is I shared it to all of my family members and I'd have new shows and I would say, hey, guys, come to my show as if it was like, you know, Thanksgiving 2014. It's not. This is a live performance that I'm having for people who are into that music. And although these people, especially your family members, want to support you, and although that's a great sentiment and, I, you know, obviously you should appreciate people you know, wanting you to continue to do something that you love and like support you. Obviously, you should appreciate that. You should also take into consideration that that is not who your fan base is for the music that you make. Okay, my mom is super into country music, like super into country music. She doesn't like screaming. She doesn't like super distorted vocals. She likes Dolly Parton and she likes Stevie Nicks, you know, um, the landslide like that's her vibe she should not go to my concert right and as much as i love her she's fantastic i'm not going to invite her to any of my concerts because she's not the person that should be there it should be people who are fans of purebred mutts not people who are fans of me and that is the the difference is that sometimes they are the same but if you share all of your music especially on like facebook and where like algorithms come into play Facebook is going to start thinking that the people who are interacting with your posts, who are interacting because they care about you, not necessarily your music, it's going to think that that, those are the people who it should keep sharing to. It should share to people who are like that. But those people aren't the people who are really going to like your music. So, for instance, if my mom had no relation to me, but she was the same person, right? But, you know, I didn't exist and, and all that kind of stuff. If she was completely separate from me, didn't know me at all, and came upon my song, she would not continue to listen to it because it is not her song. The only thing that attaches her to it is me as a person. That's it. You should not be inviting those people into your art, especially at the beginning. Later on, you can do whatever you want. At, at that point, after you've accumulated a bunch of different people to be a part, where you can sell out 
like, you know, a venue without having to ask your family to buy tickets, you know, or to have your family sell it to their friends. Like, get people who want to come because they want to come, not people who think that they have to, right? That That's the key difference, and that's what that means specifically. In fact, I don't think anyone from my family knows I do this, which is hilarious because, I mean, they know I play play music, but for the longest time, I've just been putting my head down. I've been grinding. And whenever I hang out with them, I don't talk to them about it because I have other things that I want to talk to them about. Family stuff, right? So, you know, I'm hoping what will happen is that like two years from now or whatever, I'll reach some point of success where I'm able to like leave my job like permanently and I can I can do this full time and, uh, you know, be able to do something I love all the time. When I get to that point, I'll probably let them know because at that point, I don't depend on their support to survive, right? That's the key difference for me. That's just a personal thing. A small little little tidbit in there. I just, I just want you guys to know, people will care about your music. And in the beginning, it's great to get input from people, especially if, if you like trust them. This is where the friends thing comes into because if they're friends with you, they most likely enjoy the same things you do. That's not guaranteed, but you know, sometimes they do. And if you find those people who you can trust will give you an honest opinion about your about your music to say if this song sucks or the recording sounds weird because of this, that's a great thing. You should you should always listen to people like that. But you should never listen to people who just want you to who just want to support you just because of you. It's a weird thing. It's a weird thing to talk about. It's kind of difficult to explain. I hope you guys understand. I hope you do. Let's move on. This is uh, one that isn't as prevalent right now just because everything going on with COVID, but um, make every live show something to remember, even if it means playing live less. A lot of people have this notion that they should play music live for people at venues, concerts, all that kind of stuff all the time. It works for some people, but for me, that doesn't work. I tried to do that when I was younger, but the problem was compound with the fact that the only people who were coming to my shows were family members is the fact that I had so many shows. So people could miss this show. They didn't have to go to this one because I'll have another one like next week. Right. And so I kept having these shows that no one would come to or everyone would come to one of the shows, but I had like five of them. Right. So they'd go to one and then another person would, instead of going to that one, go to a different one, right? So it, I wasn't getting a big crowd and it wasn't like as memorable because you need people there to enjoy it and and to support that moment specifically. And at the end of the day, if you have all of these shows, which one are they going to remember, right? Because they, they can just go to the one, you know, next week or two weeks from now. And do they even remember the one from two weeks previous? Who knows? Who knows? But if you have one show, maybe like a quarter, like so you have like four shows a year, which is not that is, you know, you don't have to to spare uh, spread it out that much. But that's where my mind goes initially. So you have like one show every three months. It is a hot commodity. Everyone's trying to go to that show because it's got like a different theme. It's at a different venue. All these newer songs you put in are in there now. It's It's got just a different vibe. So instead of everyone saying that they can just go to the next one, it becomes more of those like, I can't miss out type of things. It, this system doesn't work for everyone. I'm just speaking specifically to myself back in the day because the system I used of all these shows all the time in hopes that maybe I can get fans from other bands, it didn't work out as well. And there's a, a lot of reasons why that happened. But normally what happens is you have all of these um, you know, shows that you play. Venues will look at you and say, you play all these shows, you come here all the time, you open for bands, but you don't bring in the ticket sales. You're not selling out and... Why would we give you premium slots? So you're going to be playing on Thursdays all the time. And that's what kept happening to me. And anyone who went to my show, people who like didn't support me because of me, like I talked about before, those people, they they enjoyed it. I tried to be as energetic as possible. I treated every show like it was my last show. I put my all into it. My fingers would be bloody afterwards. My vocals would be dead. I put everything into every single show. And... So the people who were there, I imagine, enjoyed it and had fun and it was like a cool experience. But I mean, there's five of them, you know, like right after another. Like it's just especially if you're growing and starting out and you don't have the people to sustain that. It's not worth it. Take your time. Build up to one show 
and make it awesome. And then the next show, same thing. Keep building it up and building it up and getting it to that point where it is the place to be. You got to go to a purebred mush show. You know what I mean? That's that is the that's the vibe that I believe you honestly should be going for as you start out. Now, listen, this is obviously totally different now, but it could also be applied to people who do like the live concerts all the time. I'm not super into that um, because honestly, I'm just, I'm kind of I, lazy is not the word. I The time that I use to do things, I would rather put time into like recording things that I'm going to be putting into like albums rather than playing live shows all the time because live show setup, especially like this way, is totally different than it would be for like a live show. And uh, so for me personally, I haven't put my chips into like doing live shows and like selling online tickets. Like I'm going to wait until we can do live shows again. That's generally my mindset. Things Things might change. That's where I'm at right now. Let's move on. This is an interesting one. If you have an idea, stop a moment and record it crudely. Refine it later. Ideas don't come all the time. And how many times, I can't even count how many times I've sat back and I've had this awesome idea and I'm doing something like, you know, I'm at work or, or whatever. I'm just living my normal life and an idea for like a chord progression comes or like a melody and then I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And I, I like vibe for it, vibe with it for like a minute. And then and then I'm like, okay, you know, I got to remember that when I get home, when I get to the studio and then I can record it. That never happens. Or like right before you go to sleep and you have this idea and you're like, awesome, I'll record that tomorrow. It's gone. You only have an opportunity then. Whatever is giving you that idea, whatever circumstances brought that to you is only in the now. And you have to take it. Otherwise, it's gone. Hide and seek that song. It it was that moment. I was about to go to bed and the idea for the riff came into my mind and I had a choice. I could either go to sleep or I could go into the studio and just lay down a, a real quick scratch track of just the guitar. Or I've done this plenty of times is where I just pull out my phone. I record like a video that I just like lay down flat. So there's no like it's just a black screen and then I just record the audio. And that's it. And then I have that audio I can listen back to later and be like, oh, this is where my thought process went. Let's refine it and get to it. Record something badly. It doesn't need to sound good for it to be an idea. And that's the whole point is that you just need it to sound like shit so you can get something. So when you come back to it and you have time to actually like refine and put your your time and energy into something good, you'll have a resource and you won't have to start the idea from scratch again. It's important that you take advantage of these opportunities because they are few and far between and they're a gift. They're very important, I believe, to take advantage of because who knows how many we actually have in a lifetime, you know? Not everyone's Bob Dylan and can write music for 60, 70 years. Not everyone's like that. I probably won't be like that, but, uh, you know, and everyone has their, their own times for ideas and their own circumstances for ideas. And sometimes you'll have a whole bunch of them all the time for like a week. And then you'll go three months and you won't have any. That's happened to me where I just don't have any ideas. And what I'll do is I'll go back into my phone. I'll look for those videos that have blank screens and I'll just listen. And I'll be like, is that something I can use? Is this something that I can build off of? And then I'll bring that back in the studio and I'll mess with it. And I can't tell you how many times that has literally been the reason that I break out of a rut, of a, of a creative rut, is that specific thing. It's very important to save your crude ideas. They're valuable. They're a gift. Take advantage of it. Okay, let's move on. Ooh, okay, yes. This is, uh, I've talked about this before. Okay, write what you think is good, not what you think other people want. I talked about this in an intro video, if you guys saw that, where um, I specifically have tried before to write songs that I think other people would like. Because like these songs are the kinds that are on the radio or these are the, the kind of songs that my friends listen to. I've tried to do that where it's like you're trying to please other people, but nobody wants that. Nobody wants a leader who's trying to please you all the time. They're not going to follow that, that person because where are they leading you? Back to yourself. It's a feedback loop. It's not going to work. You need to drive the bus. You have to take it and, and just and enjoy what you're making for yourself because people will follow that and people will see the authenticity in that. But people can, on the flip side, sniff out 
the 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 fakeness of someone who's trying to make music and and it's you know there's no backing to it and it's not real people have called me out before when i was younger there uh, i had this one person that i was you know really good friends with haven't talked to him in a while i, sh- I should hit him up um but they they basically said you know um this song like i get why you wrote it and like it sounds good but it just doesn't feel very real and it wasn't real i didn't write it for any purpose to i I didn't have like any emotion to it i was like oh this is a nice little riff you know i'll put some lyrics to it to get the ladies and you know maybe it works sometimes but i've every song that i've written in that way i've just hated i've thrown it out i've gotten rid of it because it doesn't matter to me my entire existence is about making songs that i think matter to me and push my uh being forward and 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 really attached to my emotions i do not ever want to be known as a person who has like fake songs and fake like emotions in their songs and tries to like like, there's that what was that stupid song where they were talking about uh like it it was this weird like cop-out where they were trying to basically take advantage of the people who were like depressed like they they hit it straight on the head where there was it was like, I don't want to be alive. I just want to die. I just want to die like over and over again. But it was like a pop song. And it was this weird thing where it's like it's an anthem for depressed people. Like, no, that's not a real fucking thing. There's nothing to attach to there. It's like, let me just take some generic words that a bunch of sad people say all the time and throw them over the four chords that every song ever has been written on and we'll call it good. And to be fair, that song sold, I can't, I can't tell you how many, uh, you know, how many streams it's gotten and, and all that. I can't tell you what the kind of revenue it's brought. Probably a lot, probably a lot. Cause that's that formula. Sure. It might work, but in the long run, I'm not going to remember that song because it has no emotional attachment to me other than me being like mad that it exists. <laughs> so, you know, I guess, I, I guess it worked. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I don't vibe with that. I don't vibe with fakeness. I'm not with that. I don't ever want to be a part of that. And my hope is that you take that as more of like a challenge to you, is that if you want to continue to do this and, and this is something you love, maybe take a step back and say like, do I really feel a connection to these lyrics and to this song? Is this something that I'm passionate about? Is this something that like feels good to me? And if it does, then you have nothing to worry about. And if you're constantly second guess that, second guessing that, then you're you know, you probably have to change something up or maybe scratch it. Um, it just kind of, it kind of just depends on the situation that you're in. All right, moving on. Yes, this one's important. Value yourself. Don't take gigs for exposure. That is the biggest lie anyone will ever tell you. They'll say, we're not going to pay you to do it for exposure. Especially if like you have to sell tickets for it. That is that is some stupid, stupid shit. Never do that because your time is valuable. You are valuable. The content you put out, the songs that you play, the time that you would actually play, it's it's valuable and it's important. And people who tell you that, that you know, they'll give like it's good exposure for you, they don't understand. They don't get it. What does that mean? A bunch of random people are going to be passing by while I do my thing, they're not going to be paying attention to what I do while they continue with their day. And then, you know, that's exposure for me. How? How? Are these the people who are going to be into my music? How so? What kind of demographic are they? What kind of music are they into? Oh, they're just random people that are here that don't even care about the the heart and soul that I put into this. It's a real thing. How many times have I fucking done that? It makes me it makes me so frustrated, you know? And people always say, you know, they'll say the things like, well, you don't really like, you know, how how should I say this? You don't have the ability to to draw in a whole bunch of fans. So this is the best that you're going to get. They have they put it as as this way in this way that you're going to be all of a sudden like super, you know, sought after after you do this. And all it ever ends up being is maybe like two people who are like, hey, you're all right. You don't do too bad. Um, do you do anything else? Are you going to be around later? And some people will say that's worth it. And I don't disagree. I think that every fan that you can get is anyone to support you is, is valuable, is important. I'm totally with you on that. I just think for the time that you spend 
for the people who are in a sense employing you for the the monetary gain of exposure it's just not worth it those people are using you they're absolutely using you and you matter there are other ways to get exposure that are much more efficient and and in front of people who actually want to listen to you or who will at least give you a chance all those experiences are people who just don't even care about it you know good exposure is opening up for a band that can draw people in that's great exposure okay but whenever you do that you get tickets to sell too and if you sell those tickets you get a cut of it at that point you know it's a different thing it's a different thing exposure comes in different levels if you can get it with people who align with you like like actually align with the music that you make and the vibe that you bring then exposure is great because what ends up happening is those people will continue to move your career forward. They'll follow you and they'll be a part of what you do going forward. And that's great. That's important. It's important to have those people. But so many times I have done that and, you know, people just don't care about what you do. And it's very demoralizing. It's very demoralizing to do that, especially because the person who's doing it treats it, treats it as if they're doing you this huge favor as if they're like the king of what you do. Like they're the manager who, you know, who's been around and like got you, you know, got your first start. They were the Kickstarter, they were the catalyst, but they're not doing anything for you. Not really, they're just using you. Never take that, never do those those gigs, especially if they come out and say, hey, it's great exposure, never do that. Just say, okay, what type of monetary incentive are we talking about? Um, what kind of thing can I offer people that I know that are already part of my community, what is something that I, that, you know, what's the reason that they should be coming to this other than that I'm there? Like what, what is the actual draw here? Cause those need to line up. The people who come for you should enjoy being there. It shouldn't be this weird experience where there, everyone else is at a car show and you're the guy who's playing music and they're there ignoring all the cars they don't care about it doesn't matter they didn't come for the cars it came for you right in that case why are you playing at a car show why are you doing that why don't you have like a small show with a bunch of those people and they can all come out support you and have a great time and not say hey i went to a car show where a band i, I like was playing they'll say i went to the fucking concert it was dope that's the difference i'm heated about it because this is stupid a lot of like not not like venue owners normally but it does happen a lot of people just try to like use you and I hate that. That makes me so fucking mad. Let's move on. I'm going to move on. This is a very important one for all of the people who think that um, the industry is the same. The music industry is basically the same. Things have changed a lot and I feel as in a way that it's always kind of been like this, but it is so much easier to do what I'm going to say. So if you bring the money, labels will come. And when they do, you will not need them. It's weird because everyone like it's it's an easy cop out to say every like you're looking for the big deal. What do la record labels do for you? This is an entirely uh, different podcast episode that I will gladly do in the future as I've done lots of research on this and I've been a part of, of this as well. What do record labels do for you? In some cases, it is a great thing to get signed to a record label. It's a great thing. I would say that 75% of the time, it is not a good thing. It might be higher than that. I am being very optimistic. 75% is very optimistic that it is a bad thing for you to sign for a record label. And here's a couple reasons why. Record labels, especially nowadays, are not going to sign you unless there is some sort of monetary gain for them, right? They're not going to sign you unless you have a whole bunch of people gearing up to buy merch, albums, uh, stream your stuff, you know, um, what, whatever, you know, buy concert tickets, all that stuff. Record labels are looking for people who can actually sell, right? And especially now when you have the ability to sell yourself and you get to that point, they're not going to take a chance on someone who just started. Like you, it has to be a record label who is like independent and just wants to take a chance on people. There's lots of those and they're great. I like, I love what they do, but especially like the big labels, 
like you know the Warner Media's or you know the Interpol or whatever you know Sony Music all of those people all the big ones they do not care if you have potential they're not looking for it they're looking for money because they're a business they're looking to make money that's the only way they 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 survive that's the only way they continue is by making money they're not in it for the creative gain of all humanity they don't care and to be fair they shouldn't you know because no one's gonna say sony music changed the music landscape no one says that they say the art artist name here did this amazing thing and pushed music forward you know that's what they're going to talk about they're not talking about the record label you know unless you're like def jam or you know anything like that different different stuff record labels nowadays they need someone who's going to bring the money right so here's a couple ways that you generally do that first of all there's streams on music which is the the most common way people listen to music nowadays the other one is concert sales concert sales are are, are ticket sales are huge this is massive obviously right now that's not a thing but that was one of the the bigger draws is that if people if bands needed like a flux of, of cash put on a tour you're gonna make money on that tour if you do it right and then the other one is like merch sales and and things along those lines merch is like a very broad topic but you know there's all things that that fall underneath merch and they're all unique to every single artist right but if you were able to bring in money from all of those people are going to look at you and they're going to want to work with you because people follow the money this is how they do it especially people who aren't like associated with like music as in making it themselves they care about that less like they might think it's cool and it's it's like awesome to be a part of something but if you bring in money everyone's going to be following you right so real quick record labels aren't going to take risk on someone who has not provided a clear path for them to gain monetarily from so if you're not making money if you don't have a whole bunch of fans clamoring for you to to offer them something whether that's a new album to listen to new merch to have or concerts to play for them to buy tickets to if you don't have that what is the incentive for them to give you that chance for for the off chance that like you are this huge you know like Adele like artist, Beyonce like artist who like blows it up. You're, you know, not everyone's Justin Bieber. There's one of those. You know what I mean? Like, it does not happen very frequently. And also, if you get, if you look at it from their perspective, there's a dude who runs the record label. Underneath that is a whole bunch of subsidiaries, right? They all have to go to the dude and say, "Hey, I have this band here. I need X amount of dollars," which normally ends up being hundred thousand, two hundred thousand. You know, all the way up to like five hundred to. I mean, even a million dollars, which is crazy, but but when you're starting out, let's say like I need sixty thousand to a hundred thousand dollars to get this band from absolutely no fans to a point where we break even, because it takes a lot to even break even. There's a lot of financial and steps that get to that point for you to actually have enough to go out and what you're making money off of that. It is a big financial risk to do that especially like in a quick time span because record labels aren't saying hey we'll do this 10 years from now we'll make our money back no they're saying this is out three months from now when the album is released i want all my money back or you have to pay me that's that's generally what it is but that's a huge risk as a representative i am not going to go to the head of my record label and say hey i need a hundred thousand dollars for this band who no one's heard of they don't have any followers they don't have any fans they don't have anyone buying merch from them but they got cool music and i think that they would be really successful can i have a hundred thousand dollars please person who you pitch that to is gonna is gonna fire you straight away so for their survival they're not gonna take a risk on someone who hasn't put any any steps forward to get to that point they're not gonna do that because that's not a solid financial risk the risk reward does not outweigh each other because so for instance if they give you that loan for a hundred thousand dollars you have to sell so much stuff to not only make that up, but to make a profit. All of the time and resources that they, they you know, put into pushing that, even if it's like they put all of the work, is a huge risk to say that this is what people want to listen to. People are going to latch onto it. It's going to be big, you know, especially if they're brand new. Like it does, it just doesn't happen. They're not going to do it, and you should not ask them to do it because you don't know. 
if right now the music that you're making that this album is worth a hundred thousand dollars over a three-month period you don't know that you can't guarantee that especially if you don't have like any way to to compute that and, and to like pitch it to someone this is a weird like backside to the music industry you need to be able to make money for people otherwise they're not going to work with you but here's the caveat here's the twist if you are able as an independent artist to grow kind of what I'm, I'm trying to do at this point, if you are able to continue to grow, be able to make your own merch offerings, make fulfillments to them, ship them out yourself, have your concerts, sell all those tickets, sell out the tickets by yourself. If you're able to, to do all that stuff, get your, your albums or your singles rocketed up the streaming charts and do that yourself. The, break even point is so much lower you could spend $500 to release an album right $500 you do not have to have that many fans to buy your merch stream your song go to concert tickets or whatever you know you don't have to have a lot to break even to make $500 back and then get some you don't need that many right how many do you think you need for a hundred thousand $100,000 versus $500. So let's say you start out, you accumulate $500, you put that that money into marketing all of the merch all the merchandise that you have to buy so that way you can like, you know, make the merch make the merch, you know, for people to purchase. So you have to buy like the product that you then sell, right? You act as the business owner of your brand which is the the band itself. If you're able to do that and make money by yourself, and you are slowly able to, to accumulate that and make a profit or break even at the beginning and then continuously grow to you know make an actual profit from it, then eventually what's gonna happen, someone is gonna see that. Those record label reps, they're gonna see this guy is making a splash because people are gonna be talking about you. They're gonna say how awesome this song is or like how well this, this album is doing. You know, They're gonna be talking about your growth. And it's not going to happen in the beginning. It'll be probably a, a few years before anything like drastic happens. But if you're able to continue to do that, record labels are going to come to you. Agents are going to come to you. Brands and anyone who wants to work with you, they're going to come to you. You know why? Because you are now bringing the money. And at that point, you have to make the decision. Do I want a record label? Do I need one? Can I hire my own people? Can I create my own record label? Is that something I want to do? What tasks can they do for me that I no longer, you know, if I if I give up this, you know, specific percentage of the, you know, revenue that I bring in, is that worth it for them to do these certain tasks? It you have to think of it as a business once you get to that point, which is weird. Don't get me wrong, I know a lot of people are super against it, and for a long time I really fought against that aspect but it is it's very important that you look at it from that point of view if this is something that you want to do as a career if you don't then it you know it's not that big of a deal you can play guitar for free you know all you need to do, as soon as you get a guitar you can play that as much as you want you just gotta you know factor in cost of strings and, and guitar picks if you use that you can even finger pick you know whatever like that is free once you actually wanted to start making this a career, it becomes a different ball game. It is a different ball game. And honestly, like it's quite exciting because I felt like for a long time that there was just this power that I needed to like bow down to, to hopefully be able to do this and not have to worry about the money side of it and all that kind of jazz. Once you start doing it and you start actually being somewhat successful, at the small scale, that will encourage you to grow. And people want to be will want to be a part of that growth. And people who will actually care about it, they'll see it as more of a viable option for their future as well. Imagine people who want to support an artist, you know, in, in some sort of way. Like um, like for instance, road managers or like merch fulfillment people, you know, just one guy who wants to make a bunch of t-shirts for people and just wants to be a part of this, all of a sudden they see that as like they can actually work and do this 
make money and do something that they love to do with people that they care about. Then you start building out a team of people who are passionate about what they do and want to be here. That's the, that's the goal, man. That's what you really should be looking for. You shouldn't be looking for someone who, who says, Hey, we'll give you all this money. We'll do all of the things. Um, and hopefully it makes you money. Cause if it doesn't, doesn't, then you owe us. Cause imagine that you get this loan for a hundred thousand dollars, basically. It's a loan, right? With interest, $100,000 they give to you. You're supposed to record, market, and all that kind of stuff. The only thing you have power over is to record. They have the final say over whether this song or that song goes. If they don't like any of the songs, they can just cut their losses and just say, screw it, we're not going to release it. And then what? Oh, also, you have to pay us back $100,000 even though we decided not to release it. They theoretically could have that power. They could. I am not super pumped about, especially big labels, I'm just not pumped about them. I don't care about them. The indie labels are different because they're people like you and me. Not all of them, but there's a lot of indie labels and people who are trying to start up who have the same mindset. That does not mean that you should immediately go into working with them. You should talk to them, you know, learn about the things that they can do for you and see if there's anything that possibly you can make an agreement with them for, for doing some sort of work, some sort of aspect of the music business for you that is worth it right it's the cost balance you know what what is actually going to work but the main part is that it's your decision and you get to choose and that's a that's a big that's a big thing to 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 latch on to it's a lesson i did not learn until i probably you know about a year and a half two years ago really is when things for me started turning around. I kind of shifted my perspective of what I actually wanted and what realistically I could expect from people who wanted to be a part of it as well. And uh, it's it's massive. It really is massive. It, it gets me excited because now I know, first of all, you know, I know what needs to happen because I know what I need to do to grow. And so when people come to me and say, hey, we're going to sign you to a label, my first thing isn't like, great, that's what everyone says you should do. I should sign to the label. My first thought is like, okay, what are you offering me? Like, what can you do for me? And how is it going to be worth the money you're taking out, right? How is it going to be worth the the percentage that you're taking out? If you're if you are fulfilling all these things and you're doing your side of the bargain, does it make sense? Or should I continue with this slower rate of growth while being able to continue and keep like my creative power and my ability to decide how the brand and my band goes forward in the future. It's a big decision, but if you put in the steps and you do the things that that really matter to you and if you learn about the business slowly instead of trying to take, you know, this huge big risk and like, you know, take out this huge loan to try to get all the nice equipment and and, you know, hire all the great people that you keep hearing about, like you need to do things for free that that cost blood, sweat, and tears. You do that and you learn how much they are worth and how much you are willing to pay for that kind of stuff. That is the difference. This is a weird tangent. This is a weird tangent I'm going on. Uh, let's move on to a different one. And I mean, gosh, this is actually a good amount of time. I might have to split this in two. I have a whole other other page I got to do. All right, this one, take a crappy job, save so you can budget for marketing and better equipment. This is a weird one. I don't understand why it took me so long to figure this out. I was living on couches and in cars and on the street. I was doing all of that stuff because I thought that's what musicians were supposed to do. I thought you were supposed to suffer and you were supposed to like get discovered. That's what I honestly thought. How stupid is that? Why would I, why would I risk my success and my life and my happiness on the possibility that someone walking by has the resources that I need, not only to get back on my feet, but to be successful and be huge? Like what fucking, what kind of, what kind of odds are those? They're dumb. It's a, it's a dumb way to live life. And I lived that way for years, for years I did that. And eventually things changed for me and I, I saw an opportunity and I realized that I just need to get 
I need to be able to save. I need to be able to get in a spot where I can be comfortable just enough. Like I don't need to, I don't need all this, this crazy, awesome, you know, stuff. I just need to get to a place where I'm comfortable and I'm able to like create music and get better that way rather than like trying to just survive, you know, and be stressed out all the time. You know, eventually I hit this point where I was like, if I can just like get to a spot where I can slowly grow myself and then transfer all that time that I would have been just trying to survive and use that time instead to grow my music and my brand and who I am as a person and interact with people who who want to be a part of that. The more that I do that, the more I will have an actual chance to do something that not only I love, but something that is able to support me as a person and like my family and buy my dogs some damn kibble and some treats because they're good dogs and they deserve it. That's where I'm at. And so I took a crappy job that pays fine and I have crappy hours and I do lame stuff and I don't care about it, but God damn it, do they pay me money? And God damn it, do I take that money and do I save it? And do I put some of it into marketing and better equipment when I need it? Yes. God damn right. God damn right I do. Because that, the slow growth is how you do it. You have to build some sort of foundation to do it. Otherwise, you're always playing the odds game and the house always wins. I don't want to be a part of that. So I'm not going to do it anymore. Instead, I got this crappy job that pays me fine and gives me the resources to continue to grow slowly. So that way, I know what I'll be paying for in the future. I'll know what I need and I'll know what it takes to continuously grow. And when I get to a point where I can really kick it up and I save it enough money and I'm actually making money from the project itself, those combined, it's just at some point it becomes exponential growth. Massive. I haven't hit that yet, (laughs) but I will. I honestly believe that. I honestly believe that. Because now I don't have to worry about what am I going to eat? I don't have to worry about where am I going to sleep? You know, I know what it feels like. And I don't want to be there. And so I won't. I'm going to I'm going to do it this way. And uh, I'm going to continue to grow slowly and build something that I'm proud of. And, uh, you know, all while doing become a better, a better artist a better guitar player, a better person. That's what it's about for me. Matt, from 10 years ago, from five years ago, from three years ago, what I really want to tell you is that things are not easy. It is very difficult, and it will never be easy. Even as you start accumulating knowledge and some sort of money, those don't make it easier. They make things more clear, sure. The true difference between, you know, survival and being able to like grow and and have like a solid foundation is just the slow grind, the slow chipping away at the barriers that block you. It's that just incremental, just agonizingly slow stuff that eventually you'll break through it. And it'll be just this wide valley that you can just coast through and just and just be there in this place where you don't have to worry about chipping it all the time, chipping at those those barriers. They will continue to come up, but by the time they do, they will seem less and less significant. But if you continue to dig downwards, all you do is dig the 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 hole deeper and make the the object you're trying to to break through bigger and stronger and making you weaker. It's it's about the small things. It's about continuing to to really give yourself a chance. That's really what it's about, Matt. I I I know you can do it because I feel like I've I've been there and I've done that and I'm continuing to do that. Matt, in the in the future, I hope I did more of it. You know, it, <laughs> it's a, it's fun and it's exciting 
It doesn't start out that way. It is really painful. But I look back at that stuff and like the the things I had to deal with before, and I don't even have to second guess. It was worth it a hundred times over. I'll do it again, over and over again, over and over again. I'll do it continually, day after day, because seeing where I'm at now and what I know I can be and where I came from, it's a no brainer every single time. That's it for me, guys. Maybe I'll pick this up again uh, next time. But for now, I appreciate you guys being here. I hope this is helpful. If you have any questions, any things you, you want me to talk about, feel free to message me on Instagram or Facebook. And uh, that's it for me. All right, guys, you have a good one.